So a few words, the Shabbat, because it is with Shabbat, what I tell you? Shabbat Hagadol. What does that mean? It's the big Shabbat. It's the big Shabbat that precedes Passover. You know, at one point in Jewish history, it was one of only two times a year that the rabbi would give a sermon to the community, a drash. Oh, for the good old days. <laughs> when rabbis were limited to speaking on Shabbat Shuva, the Shabbat just before Yom Kippur, about Shuva, about repentance. And on this Shabbat that precedes Passover, Certainly the limitation on the rabbinic verbosity is something we clergy are glad was loosened. Perhaps the chagrin of a few of you. But I do want to consider for a moment that in that time of sermonic privation, how did Passover, to the exclusion of Sukkot and Shavuot, the other pilgrimage festivals, get this special rabbinic attention? Maybe as we explore this, it will help us to reconsider what does it mean to participate in a Passover Seder, which I hope you'll be doing on Monday night, which is the most popular Jewish expression of connection besides the high holidays. How will our Sederim start in the first section? On Monday night, the youngest among us will chant, You guys better be practicing. What makes this night different? What makes it different from all other nights? And the answer of the four questions or the continuation of the questions will be a litany about the various foods that we eat, that we consume at the Seder. On the special night, we eat matzah, lechem oni, poor person's bread, the bread of affliction. We consume maror, bitter herbs, and we taste again of the suffering. And then we contrast that bitterness with a meal that mimics the dining style of the ancient Roman gentry. And we recline and ritually engage in discussion as we dip food into salt water and chorosis, all the while drinking how many glasses of wine or juice? Four cups. And we discuss the miracle of the going out from Egypt. Jewish anthropologists, of course, focus on the role of food in Jewish ritual. On the Seder, each consumable is there for a deep reason. From the bitter lettuce to the egg of fertility and the orange that has been added in recent times to the Seder plate. Armchair analysts among us explain this in a much pithier way. Why do we have all this food on the table? We suffered. They tried to kill us. We survived, so let's eat. But think about how we eat the foods of the Passover. How we're instructed by the Torah, which tells us from the holiday's inception that these foods and how we eat them carry a deeper meaning. The very first Seder described in the Torah took place in Egypt with God telling Am Yisrael that we must observe Yitziat Mitzrayim, the going out from Egypt, by eating these certain foods in a special ritualized way. Each family shall take a lamb and roast it, 
and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And this is how you shall eat it. The Torah states, with your loins girded, with your sandals on your feet, with your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly because it's a Passover offering to Adonai. And then the Torah continues with that admonition to do it every year as an annual festival honoring our liberation from bondage. Martin Buber notes that since that first night, it's become a history feast, the history feast par excellence, not a feast of pious remembrance, but the ever-current contemporaneousness of that which once befell. Every celebrating generation at Passover becomes united with the first generation, with that experience of rushing to freedom and why it was so valuable and important. And each generation afterward, in seeking how to leave their Egypt. Now, of course, the Seder we practice today is different from the one described in the Torah. We have a household of multiple rabbis, and this year a cantor as well. And so there'll be no rush at our table. We'll speak too long, probably. But our wide-ranging discussions will follow Buber's teaching, that call to relate the going out from Egypt with our contemporary responsibility to challenge oppression and to seek the liberation of the human condition from bondage, helping everyone to join in a journey towards hope. We went out of Egypt a mixed multitude. It was anyone who was willing to join the march towards freedom that became Jewish. It was a march to freedom. So we must remember the rabbis teach in the Haggadah, Avadim Hayinu. We were enslaved. We suffered. Our firstborn were willingly killed by the Egyptians. We were stuck in a terrible reality that lasted for 400 years. Va'ata, they add. But now, B'nai Horin, we are free, we proclaim. And sometimes I read that statement as a challenging question. We were slaves, and now are we B'nai Horin? Are we the children of freedom? Are we those willing to bring freedom to others? Are we willing to end suffering, to work towards that end? I think it's this consideration that makes the night of Passover different from all of those other festivals. It's the identity foundation moment of Judaism, a call to action to become freedom makers because you understand what it was like to be enslaved, to suffer the bitter sweat of oppression, to not have your life or the life of your children or your grandchildren valued by those in power. In considering Buber's teaching that this is not a feast of pious remembrance, but of the ever-current contemporaneousness, I cannot help but contemplate the news from Syria 
a place with such difficult history and animosity towards our people that I'll probably never visit there. And yet, I cannot help but anticipate that in our Seder and in our thinking about redemption, without losing sight of those children, not just the firstborn who were murdered with weapons of mass destruction, just as I was cleaning my house and getting ready for this Seder, but of all those children of the village who were killed two days ago. It's clear to the international community, including the Israelis, who are now sending their sadaka to help Syrians, that the Assad government, already winning the war with the help of the Russians, chose to use chemical weapons on a village in their own country. Did you see the pictures? Those pictures of the children, the families, who suffered a horrible end from gas, not unlike the mists of the angel of death going through Egypt. Well, they're reminiscent to me of the pictures of murdered children, Jewish children, piled up high like old baggage taken during the Shoah. They reflect the determination of a government and modernity to kill indiscriminately, worshiping the idolatry of power, a government that will clearly will not be sated until others stand up against them. We are told that God finally hears our cries after 400 years, and then with a mighty arm and an outstretched hand, brings that Pharaoh to a new reality where he and Egypt must let go of their idols. After millions of people have been displaced in the Middle East, with the Russian, Iranian, Turkish, and American armies involved in Syria fighting everyone, when will we heed the call of the suffering Syrians? When will we declare enough, enough to this war, enough to those who promote it, Maybe this genocidal act and the action of the United States will be that which causes the international community to finally hear the cries of anguish and bring this to an end. Manishtana, what will make this night different, we must ask? It's Passover. It is a time to unite with our past and to be inspired to effect for blessing the future. Will we ask, did we speak out? Did our past inspire us to work against aggression and to stop oppression, even against our enemies? Did we consider, Abedim Hainu, we were slaves. And now, will we be the children who bring freedom? Shabbat Shalom. Hag Sameach. Talk at your pace over about how it matters today. Amen.